Chia Chia. Jesus Bizak. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Page Turners Podcast with your host, Elgin Bailey. Here with another hot one. We are in season four, episode two. Um, this particular season, we are walking through the myth and propaganda of black buying power by none other than Dr. Jared A. Ball. Um, this is a must read for black folks across the diaspora, specifically for black folks here in America to address some of these notions of uh, <laughs> the idea that black folks can save their way out of poverty. That if we just had better financial literacy, we would be better. We, you know, if we just knew how to save. But this idea that <laughs> we already have the money to save is the problem, ladies and gentlemen, because black folks, we do not have the money. This episode of the podcast, we are entering into chapter one. This is the introduction, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time bullshitting. At the end of the podcast, there will be some housekeeping uh, I will send you, I will not send you, I will share the Patreon link because, you know, I do have a Patreon for the page turners and 50% of everything that comes into the page turners Patreon uh, will be donated, well, not donated, will be used to buy books that will be given out in the community. Sometime this summer, I am going to be looking to give away anywhere from 200 to 300 books. Um, all of the books will be um, black authors, black fiction, black nonfiction, black. Uh, so, you definitely want to become a part of uh, the Page Turners Patreon to get involved. Uh, and if you want to donate straight to the Page Turners, that you can send it to my cash app, dollar sign Elgin Bailey. That is dollar sign Elgin Bailey. But I don't do this podcast to gain, you know, fortune and fame. I do this to help change the current state of predominantly black communities and black lives here in America, but across the diaspora. So with all that said, uh, all the housekeeping out of the way, we're going to dig right into chapter one. This is chapter one of The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power by Dr. Jared A. Ball. Chapter 1 is titled, Introduction. And I read, Buying power as an economic mythology 
developed within a broader effort to impose black capitalism as an alternative to political or social equality and citizenship. An evolving black business class adopted and adapted the mythology to their own particular racialized class interests and used their relationship to the larger economy to help create a black or Negro market to be targeted by a more wealthy and white commercial corporate advertising community. Jesus. That's heavy already, ain't it? Let me continue. In 2017, Jay-Z's The Story of O.J. dropped and immediately became an enormous topic of conversation as much for its apparent astute economic analysis as for its visual walk down memory lane riddled with the tremendous wreckage of heavily propagated anti-black imagery. The justification of visuals depicting a national oppression with lyrics largely framing that oppression as resulting today from financial illiteracy beautifully demonstrates so many of the contradictions contradictions discussed below. The anti-black accompanying lyrics, which point instead to black ignorance as the cause of existing equality, in the video, crosses burn while Dr. Ewing P. Newton and the Black Panther Party are ironically lampooned. But the lyrics speak to a very different politics. And I know a bunch of you Negroes out there love some Jay-Z. And I'm not going to sit here and act as if I am not a fan of Jay-Z. But what I refuse to do at this point in time is to ignore all of the damage that his uh, his artistry, let's say that, all the damage that his artistry has done. Okay? And I read, In full contradiction of the wonderfully drawn images of institutionally imposed black trauma, the lyrics speak only to black ignorance, literally described as Dumbo. Specific to the mythology of black buying power, Jay-Z explains that unlike Jews who, quote, own all the property in America, unquote, black people are only, quote, throwing away money at a strip club, unquote. Further again, contradicting the lampoon image of the quite political Black Panther Party, Jay-Z, stays, uh, Jay-Z speaks an imposed political pessimism, saying that financial freedom, my only hope, and proceeds to discuss flipping property, art, and music sales as viable pathways to get there. Now, this is something that I want, I don't think many people pay attention to. And I know when the song came out, man. Uh, I know when 444 came out, this album dropped. From a music standpoint, I wasn't initially feeling it because it was so different. And I know a lot of you Negroes, well, a lot of people wanted to classify this album as a more a more mature hove. A more mature Jay-Z. And I know this particular song, when it dropped, the story of OJ, 
that line, financial freedom, my only hope, that so many within the black community here in America gravitated to that and bought into that and still hold that same type of ideology as if all of us are in the strip clubs throwing away money. But this is this is where we see much of a white-controlled rap media industry uh, propagating these sort of messages. And I read, Indeed, the story of OJ is a metaphor for opportunities wasted due to poor individual choices and has meant, as Jay-Z has said, to be more than just a song. Saying that it is really about we as a culture having a plan, how we're going to push this forward. The express plan is to ensue politics in favor of a sole focus on economics. Black capitalist economics with buying power as a central philosophy as the only hope for freedom and all presented as progressive pro-black empowerment messaging. That part right there is so prevalent. Like in... And I don't mean this disparaging towards my people who I love, but within the black community, we would rather try to start businesses thinking that economics is our way out than to be politicized, to join organizations, to fight to change policies. We would rather continue to do, and and, and listen, some of our entrepreneurship has been birthed out of survival, but it should not replace our need, our, our crucial, important need for political empowerment. And I read, interesting, Jay-Z was born the day Chicago Black Panther Party members Fred Hampton and Mark Clark were, were killed. December 4th, 1969 marks birth the death of one of the greatest rappers and entrepreneurs in history and the death of two members of one of history's most impactful political organizations. With Hampton targeted specifically for assassination in a coordinated effort led by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Chicago Police, one has made clear during his multi-decade career that he aspires to the highest of capitalism heights and the other was disposed of by the U.S. federal government in part for aggressively espousing the redistributionist politics of socialism. And every time you hear Jay-Z, this so-called mature Jay-Z, you hear him reference and put himself in the same political category as some of our great black radicals and it's insane that he he does this i I just it blows me away uh how he's been able no this is the same dude that say he can sell you know sell water to a sell water to a well and meant it (laughs) and i read One is today a leading force in popular culture and even political activism. The others have had their lives relatively suppressed beneath omitting histories and popular popular representations carried. For instance, 
by the even more impressively entrepreneurial, well-promoted, and popular spouse of Jay-Z. The performative allusions of Beyonce Knowles to the Black Panther Party and radical black histories have in many ways become those histories' most dominant and well-distributed symbols. After 40 years, former Black Panther Asada Jakor remains in exile under renewed calls for her extradition from Cuba and imprisonment in the United States. And he's referencing how Beyonce had a whole halftime ass show, a whole halftime show where he's, where I'm sorry, where she is mimicking and using Black Panther representation as a way of rallying uh, the crowd up. It was just <laughs> insane. So, <laughs> so many people refer to and gravitate towards that type of performative activism that that is what most people are looking, many, I won't say most, I'll be fair, many are looking to do these days. And I read, Beyonce tours with 50 million Pepsi sponsorships, $50 million Pepsi sponsorships, and $60 million, million, 60, Jesus, $60 million Netflix deals. Jay-Z has helped sell nearly every major name brand and has even become the recent face of the NBA and NFL as they expanded franchises into politics. Remember, for a minute, everybody thought that Jay-Z was, you know, owning the Nets, when my man had a small financial stake in it, but he was the face. And using him as the face, the idea was to bring people in, but not just any people. <laughs> exactly. Beyonce and Jay-Z, I'm sorry, and I read, Beyonce and Jay-Z have become among today's biggest proponents of black capitalism, couched often in the aesthetics and language or language of black power. The beginning and end represented in that 1969 exchange of lives and politics would be charted beautifully the following year in Earl O'Farris, The Myth of Black Capitalism, itself found a year later in the prison cell of George Jackson, another assassinated and often forgotten member of the Black Panther Party, whose image has also been previously appropriated by the equally commercial rap rule. Ofari's work took on and disposed of the broader mythologizing of black capitalism and its subsidiaries, black banking, investing, saving, and business as methods of ending economic equality. This is 1970. We in 2021, and it's even more insidious now. And I read, his work was published at the height of this country's struggle over black capitalism's promotion, largely by the administration of President Richard Nixon and adopted by a more conservative black business class as a response to increasing left-leaning and radical black political movements. Robert Allen's Black Awakening in Capitalist America is a book that y'all need to read. Gotta get it. And I read, The fear of an advancing black power movement, including the Black Panther Party and Black Liberation Army, that increasingly espouse variants of Pan-Africanism, nationalist, socialist, and communist politics, encouraged in part the promotion of material potential and black capitalism as a more viable, pragmatic, or mature solution. So it made sense 
like and and not to give Nixon any sort of praise, but for him to put this onus on economics instead of political power took so much of the wind and breath out of many of our movements at this time because it had many within <laughs> many of our own people uh, that's why class analysis is so important many of our own people gravitating who who were aligned with you know the radical side of the movement uh had them gravitating and saying hey yes let's 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 push economics let's push business it's fascinating how that still is going on the crux of a and I read and the crux of Afari's argument in the end remains a centerpiece of what follows here black people do not have enough money or access to larger national or global economies to have what wealth does not exist among black people to in any meaningful way improve the material economic and live conditions of the black community as a whole and I'm going to read that shit one more damn time Black people do not have enough money or access to larger national global economies to have what wealth does exist among black people to in any meaningful way improve the material, economic, and live conditions of the black community as a whole. We don't have the money, man. And I read, Attempts by black people in the United States to marshal their resources to benefit of the whole and the various ways these attempts were bound to fill were all laid out by Afari, but remain today in popular fashion absent from Afari-like criticism. We hear today the same arguments made for more than a century and a long since proven insufficient by black, bank black, circulate the black dollar within the community and as i will argue use more intelligently the black power the buying power of black america what differs most today is the propulsion of the mythology as propaganda in an existing media environment more consolidated in its ownership and penetrative in its reach than ever man family I just, man, I love this book, but at the same time, I'm going to keep it funky. It frustrates the hell out of me. The the truth in the book uh, frustrates me because black people do not have enough money or access to larger national and global economies to have what wealth does exist among black people to, in any meaningful way, improve the material economic and live conditions of the black community as a whole damn it and i read further i will demonstrate the inherent class tensions playing out in this history as the myth of black buying power remains one developed in part and propelled by a black business class and commercial press who benefit most from the claim as part of their pursuit of advertising revenue and investment. Buying power as we know it today is largely a fiction developed and promoted by a black business class which has its own specific origins and traditions. As Ofari explained, 
Black investigators have, from time to time, been forced to deal with various experts of black business and the possibility of an independent black economy. The most prominent of these investigators, black sociologist E. Franklin Frazier, came to the conclusion that black business was a myth. Frazier, in his seminal work, Black Bourgeoisie went on to give an extended analysis of the historic trends that have led to the current enthusiasm for black businesses and its embrace by black leaders. As Frazier has written regarding these black leaders, the myth of Negro business is tied up with the belief in the possibility of a separate Negro economy. Of course, Behind the idea of the separate Negro economy is the hope of a black bourgeoisie that they will have the monopoly of the black market. What? Okay. <laughs> Woo. And I read, capturing a black market, however, has limitations given the limitations on black economic potential. For the segment of the black bourgeoisie involved in media, journalism, or advertising, to capture meant delivering a newly created black market package in a mythic economic strength labeled buying power to white corporate ad buyers. Buying power would become a primary mechanism by which black media and business could attract white investment. If black people had billions to spend, the myth began, then white ad buyers would find great value in spending their ad dollars on black-owned and black-targeted media. Right now, you got Roland Martin and a whole bunch of other Negroes fighting to try to get white companies to funnel ad dollars within and through black communities. Uh, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's beyond crazy. And I read, but it was the very promotion of this myth of black buying power by a black media and business elite that has created a journalistic echo chamber with one consequence being the adoption of the myth by any number of black political, religious, or activist leaderships as particular gateway to economic freedom or at least parity. Man, the damn black buying power myth uh, is so prevalent like Dr. Ball says, it crosses political, religious, uh, activism, everywhere. So many people have bought into and buy into this notion of buying power. That it's when you hear people like Dr. Ball, like uh, Brother Afari, like Brother Allen, like Brother Franklin, talk about. The, 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 the idea that we have all this money, this myth, that they're, we're looked at as outliers, as, as, <laughs> as there I say, haters of, and not willing to, and wanting to support black businesses. That, that's what, when I say that, that dog, there's just no 1.8 trillion dollars in, <laughs> what? It's, what are you talking about? When I tell people that that doesn't exist, now I don't want to support black business. When I don't, I, that's all I support. But I don't support black businesses because I have this grandiose dream of black capitalism getting 
my people out of the current state that they're in. It's the exact opposite. It's, it's, it's because we're in the current state that we're in that I support black businesses. <laughs> and I read, Buying power, though in its origin and current application as a marketing tool for advertisers, is applied to all and any segmented formation of society, including corporations and municipalities, its relation to black political struggle, it being a focal point of a solution to centuries-old dilemmas is particular to black America. When you talk to young people today, I'm not just talking, matter of fact, no. When you have conversations about solutions for the current state of black America, economics is top three. Guaranteed top fucking three. Top three. And I read, as will be discussed, the install installation of buying power as a tactic toward collective black advance carries a specific brand of violence in that it is reframing as a concept by the hands of a black business and media elite is meant to satisfy their own version of adopted anti-black and class-based interests. Still with Frazier, this black bourgeoisie caught in illuminality between wanting distance from the Negro masses while simultaneously suffering contempt from the white world. Woo! That's heavy. Franklin says, has created in its isolation what might be described as a world of make-believe in which it attempts to escape the disdain whites and fulfill its wish for status in American life. One of the most striking indications of the unreality of the social world which the black bourgeoisie created is its faith in the importance of Negro business. The business enterprises owned by Negroes and catering to Negro customers, although these enterprises have little significance, either from the standpoint of the American economy or the economic life of the Negro, a social myth has been created that they provide a solution to the Negro's economic problems. Faith in this social myth and others is perpetuated by Negro newspapers, which represent the largest and most successful business enterprises established by Negroes. Brother Franklin Frazier, 1957. Nineteen down fifty-seven, and I read Jay Z's lionized lyrics are an indicative, uh, indicative of the culminating effect of the half-centering process of propagating economic mythologies as part of a capturing market. The verses accept and regurgitate key elements of the myth of black buying power and capitalism, blaming poverty on the poor, all while further encouraging an imposed commercialism, product marketing, and promotions of a conspicuous consumption which has by now come to fully dominate and manage the content of popular media and popular commercial hip-hop. Woo! 
Like much of Jay-Z's entire career catalog, this more recent contribution from one who remains not a businessman, but a businessman, suggests an economic potential which only left unreached due to ignorance among the community and reflects back a popularly disseminated fallacy that the poor, specifically the black poor, do not take advantage of opportunities as others have. Jews, according to Jay, unlike black people, own all of the property in America. Because of their ability to rise above petty dealings, gram holding, and understand the value of not throwing away money at a strip club. But this is just one more example of popularly circulating mythologies about North American capitalism, race, religion, ethnicity, and specifically buying power or consumption as pathways to either poverty or wealth. The potential for black Americans to mimic those patterns of behavior with similar degrees of success. Ooh, Lord. You know what? I think I'm going to stop right here. I think that's an excellent release to end this particular discussion. I want to keep this podcast, man, right around 30 minutes. I don't want to belabor points. I want to give you guys the meat of the topic and the subject uh, in 30, 30, 45 minute morsels roll to the crib Uh, I think that is perfect man listen I, I, I want you guys to get a copy of this book even if you don't follow along with this particular podcast and you stop listening to me and you begin to read this book on your own I want you to read this damn book, man. The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power by Dr. Jared Ball. You can go over to imixwhatilike.com and get a free copy of this book. Um, And then come on back to this damn podcast and let's talk about what the hell you're reading. What the hell that you've seen. What the hell that the, the impact of some of the things that you've actually heard some of the things that you've actually felt and addressed and and wrestled with I want you to come on back and do that because I think it's crucial that we begin to unpack this topic man in such a way that man is so damn needed family so needed uh I can't even begin to tell you the variety of ways and the many ways that this topic is running rapid and causing so much havoc in our community currently, man. Uh, family. I'm telling you, it's it's heavy. It's heavy, man. But again. This has been another episode of the Page Turners Podcast with your boy, Elgin Bailey. Thank you for tuning in, man, as I walk through these books line by line, page by page. Till next time, we out.
Thank you.